This is the Hasidic Story Project with Barack Holman, podcasting from Jerusalem, Israel. This podcast is sponsored by listeners just like you. To become a supporter of this podcast, please go to HasidicStory.com. H-A-S-I-D-I-C Story.com. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll never know. Wow, my sweetest friends, the great holy, most special holiday of Purim is coming up next week. Many years ago, I decided to figure out what is this great secret of Purim. I started with drinking too much for many years, and I realized that the mitzvah is not to get drunk on alcohol. The mitzvah is to get drunk on Purim. How does a person get drunk on Purim? Well, here's a story that my rabbi of blessed memory, my friend in Mashpia, Reb Shalom Brat, liked to tell every year around Purim time. It's a story that he heard from his rabbi, Reb Shlomo Karlbach. In the town of Koznitz, with the great tzaddik, the Magid of Koznitz, Rabbi Sayl, there was one beggar whose name was Pinchas, and he was so poor, always down on his luck. Nothing ever seemed to work out for Pinchas, as much as he tried. He tried working for other people, but it didn't last. He tried starting businesses, but they never made any money. In the meantime, he and his wife had more and more children, And having no choice, he went around begging, and he owed money everywhere. And now it came Purim time, and he went into town, and he listened to the Megillah reading by the Rebbe. And after the Megillah reading, everybody's coming to the Rebbe for a bracha, and giving over Mishlochem Anot, the food gifts that we give one another on Purim. And Pinchas, the beggar, he comes to the Magid, and he says to him, Rebbe, can you please give me a bracha? It's Purim. And the Rebbe says, sure, Pinchas, where's my Mishloch Manot? He said, Rebbe, Maybe you didn't hear, but I'm a beggar. I don't have any money. I'm so poor, we don't even have any food at home. And the Rebbe says to him, Pinchas, you want a bracha? You have to bring me a mishloch manot. Pinchas says, but Rebbe, how does one bring a mishloch manot to the Rebbe when one does not have any money? And the Rebbe said to him, Pinchas, when you came in here, you came over to me. He said, good poor Rebbe, can I have a bracha? Pinchas says, yeah. The Rebbe says, that's not how you say good Purim. Pinchas says, okay, Rebbe, how do you say good Purim? The Rebbe says, Pinchas, you have to dig deep, deep inside yourself. Peel off all the layers of being a beggar. Connect with the deepest place of your neshama, of your soul, which is pure and always connected to God. And from that place, I want you to tell me good Purim. So Pinchas, he says, Rebbe, maybe a great tzaddik like you can do something like that, but a poor beggar like me? I have no idea what you're talking about. So the Rebbe says, Pinchas, hang on a second. I want you to say to me, good poem like this. Rebbe, good poem! Pinchas is a little shocked. He says, Rebbe, what, did you start drinking already? The Rebbe says, no. I told you, Pinchas. You gotta dig deep. Now give me a good poem. So Pinchas, he thinks, okay, I gotta dig deep. He says, Rebbe, good poem! The Rebbe says, okay. That's a start, Pinchas. Do it again. This time, dig deeper. He says, Rebbe, good Purim! says, yes, Pinchas, go deeper! He says, Rebbe, good Purim! The Rebbe says, yes, Pinchas. Now you know how to say good Purim. Now go out and get me a Mishloch Manot. And come back here, and I will bless you on the holy day of Purim. So Pinchas, he leaves the Rebbe shul feeling so confident like he's never felt in his whole life. He 
He goes into the baker's shop. He says, Holy Baker! Good poem! The baker looks at Pinchas. He says, Pinchas, what happened to you? Said, Baker, I'm collecting to give Mishlochem a note to the Rebbe. I need some muffins. I need some cookies. I need some bread. Can put it on credit. I'll pay you back when I have the money. The baker's thinking to himself, put it on credit. Do you know how much you owe me, Pinchas? You have credit going back like 20 years already. But because of that good Purim and the confidence that Pinchas had, the baker fills up a basket with bread, and cookies, and muffins, and all kinds of delicacies. And he says, Pinchas, come here. He gives him a big kiss on the forehead. He says, thank you for making my Purim. And Pinchas, he walks out of the bakery, feeling like he's never felt before. So confident, so joyous. Something has changed inside of him. He goes to the wine shop. And he walks in, and he says, Good Purim! The wine vendor, he says, Pinchas, good Purim to you, my friend. What's going on? What brings you here? He says, Holy winemaker, I need some wine for Purim. I'm giving a mishloch manot to the Rebbe, and I also need some wine for my family for the Suda, for the meal on Purim. Please put it on my credit, and I promise you I'll pay you back when I have the money. And the winemaker, he's thinking, yeah, Pinchas, you're going to pay me back when you have the money? You owe me for so much wine? Give me a break. But something had changed in Pinchas. And the winemaker, he takes several bottles of wine, puts them together. He says, Pinchas, this is for you and your family and the Rebbe. And you don't owe me anything. It's on me. Pinchas, he leaves. He takes the baked goods, takes a bottle of wine. He comes back to the Rebbe and he walks in so confident. He says, Rebbe, good Purim! Shouts like a lion. The Rebbe says, Pinchas, come over here. You got it, my friend. Now give me a mishloch manot. Pinchas gives him a basket with a bottle of wine and some muffins and bread. And the Rebbe says, now Pinchas, I will give you a bracha. I'll give you a blessing. I bless you, Pinchas that you'd never forget the secret that you learned this year on Purim, and that your Purim goes higher and higher every day and every week and every year. And Pinchas is standing there crying because something happened to him. He was transformed. And he says, Rebbe, amen. Thank you, Rebbe. Thank you. Change my life, Rebbe. The Rebbe says, Pinchas, get out there and share Purim with everyone. So Pinchas, he starts going from shop to shop, goes into the candle maker, Comes in, he says, Good Purim! Candlemaker says, Shalom Aleichem, Pinchas. What's going on with you? Something's different. He said, The Rebbe gave me the gift of Purim, and I need some candles for my family. We're going to have a meal for Purim. Who can have a meal without candles on the table? The candlemaker says, Sure, Pinchas. Here you go, on the house. Pinchas walks into the tailor, gets a new dress for his wife, gets clothes for his kids. He comes back home, and at home, Everyone's depressed. There's no food. There's no joy. It's the worst Purim ever. The kids are fighting. The mother's angry at the kids. She sees Pinchas. And she looks at him with one eye, thinking, Something's a little different about my Pinchas here. Pinchas, he walks into the room and he says, My wife and children! Good Purim! The kids stop fighting. His wife has this huge smile on her face. And when he pulls out a dress for his wife, she says, Pinchas, 
What's going on? Pinchas says, come, let's quick. Let's set the table. We're having a suda. We're having a meal for Purim. And they put a tablecloth on the table. He puts the candles and lights them. He puts all the bread and muffins and cookies, the wine, all the things that he had picked up. And they're sitting there eating this beautiful meal, food like they've never eaten before. And Pinchas says to his wife and children, I want to teach you what the Rebbe taught me. He said, I'm not a beggar. He told me I'm a neshama. I'm a soul that's always connected to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, That's always connected to Hashem. And he said to me, give me good Purim from the place of your neshama. So come, my children and wife, let's shout good Purim from the deepest places in our heart and soul. And they all shout together. Good Purim! Back at the suit at the meal of the Kazantur Magid, he says to his family and his chassidim, Shh! Everyone quiet down. They say, Rebbe, why? What's going on? He said, listen. Listen carefully. In heaven, everyone has quieted down so they could hear the good Purim. Pinchas, the beggar, and all the chassidim are quiet while they try to hear what the Rebbe is hearing. So Purim's over. And Pinchas thinks to himself, I'm going to start begging again. I can't be a beggar again. Not after the Rebbe taught me how to say good Purim. Pinchas says to Hashem, you know, Hashem, you make everything. You make the cows, you make the sun, and you make money. Money isn't even real. I mean, what is a ruble? It's just a coin or a piece of paper. And if you want, Hashem, you can send those coins and pieces of paper to me, and I don't have to be a baker anymore. And after davening that morning, Pinchas goes to the richest Jew in town, and he walks into his house and he says, Good Purim! And the wealthy Jew says, Pinchas, first of all, I thought Purim was over. Pinchas says, did you make Havdalah after Purim? The wealthy Jew says, no. He said, neither did I. So as far as I'm concerned, I'm still in Purim. And I'll always be in Purim. The wealthy Jew says, well, Pinchas, sit down. Tell me, what can I do for you? Pinchas says to the wealthy Jew, listen, the Rebbe gave me a bracha. He gave me confidence. He reminded me that I'm not a beggar, that I'm a neshama. And I asked Hashem that I should be successful in business. But I know it's not enough for me to just daven. I have to come and do something. So I'm coming to you. I want to borrow 10,000 rubles. And I want you to guide me in my business. And the wealthy Jew said, listen, Pinchas, with the confidence that you have and the street skills that you have, I'm going to give you 10,000 rubles and I'm going to help you. And just like the Rebbe had blessed Pinchas, his Purim got stronger and stronger from day to day and week to week. And by the next year, Pinchas was a wealthy Jew. He had paid off all of his debts. He was now helping other poor Jews. He was giving tzedakah. And when he walked into the Rebbe's shul and Purim, his good Purim was a thousand times stronger than the Rebbe had ever heard before. And the Rebbe blessed Pinchas that he should share his good Purim with all the Jews in the world so that they would know that they're not beggars, they're not doctors, they're not lawyers or teachers or accountants. They're neshamas, they're souls. And that the energy that's coming down on Purim allows us to reconnect with our soul Wipe off all the dirt that accumulated over all the years and share that love, that connection with Hashem, with all of our fellow Jews. So may Hashem bless you, my sweetest friends, at this Purim. In every Purim, you not only be able to shout good Purim from the deepest depths of your soul, but that you find the place to see the good in all of your fellow Jews. 
that you can see so much good in your fellow Jews that all you can say is Baruch Mordechai, is blessed is Mordechai, and not see any of the Aro Haman, cursed is Haman. And not just in your fellow Jews, my sweetest friends, but also in yourselves. Just like our teacher, Pinchas the beggar, taught us with his So I have another story for you. It's the story that I told last year on Purim, and I figured not everybody's heard it, so it's good to hear it again. Reb Nissen was a wealthy Jew who lived near the town of Pressburg, and everybody knows that there was a famous yeshiva in Pressburg, the Pressburg Yeshiva, that was founded by the world-renowned rabbi and scholar, the Chassam Sofer. And even though Reb Nissen and his wife had been married for many years, it took them a long time until their first child was born. And when their son was born... In 5583, 1823, no one was surprised that the Chassam Sofer was invited to do the bris milah, to do the circumcision. But every time the Chassam Sofer would check, he said he was worried about the baby's health and kept postponing the bris until finally the baby was healthy enough and the bris would take place on Purim. It was clear at the bris that the Chassam Sofer had a special light about him. And it wasn't just that today was Purim or that it was the student that finally gave birth to a son. No one was exactly sure what was going on, but something special was happening here. And after the Chassam Sofer completed the bris milah, he dipped his finger in the wine and placed it in the baby's mouth, which is the custom. But then he raised his voice very loudly, and he said the Talmudic expression, that when wine goes in, the secrets come out. And this little baby boy was given a name appropriate for a poor embrace, Baruch Mordechai, which comes from one of the lines in the Megillah, that Mordechai be blessed. And as the child grew up, it was clear that he was a real mensch, that he davened sincerely, and that he could sit all day and learn Torah. But for some reason, he wasn't able to remember any of the Torah that he learned. And at his bar mitzvah, he entered the Pressburg Yeshiva, and even though he had been sitting there, learning all day long, learning from books and learning from the rabbis, whenever he was asked to explain or repeat anything, he was completely silent. He couldn't remember anything. 
Some of his classmates decided to make fun of him. One time they took a Gemara that he was learning from and switched it with an entirely different Gemara, leaving it on the same page that he had been on before, but of course a different subject. And Baruch Mordechai sat down and continued learning as if nothing had happened at all. When he turned 18, the Chassav Sofer, who would replace his father, the Chassam Sofer, as the head of the yeshiva, advised the parents of Baruch Mordechai to send their son to the Holy Land, the land of Israel. It's said that the heir of the Holy Land makes one wise, and maybe then he'll be able to retain some of his Torah learning. And so after speaking with their son, Baruch Mordechai, they decided to send him to the Holy Land. And not just the Holy Land, but the Holy City of Jerusalem, Yerushalayim. Baruch Mordechai arrived in Yerushalayim, and he had a letter of recommendation from the Pressburg Yeshiva, saying that he davens with great devotion, and that he really sincerely wants to learn Torah, and that he's a truly pious Jew. One of the rabbis in the Jerusalem community at the time, Rabbi Yeshaya Bardaki, he took a liking to Baruch Mordechai, and adopted him like his own son. He took care of a place for him to live, took care of making sure that he had food and clothes and everything he needed. And Rabbi Yeshaya was very impressed with Baruch Mordechai's menschlichkeit and his davening, and he couldn't understand how somebody who had spent his entire life learning Torah couldn't remember anything. A couple of years later, when Baruch Mordechai reached the age of 20, Rabbi Yeshaya found a makala, a simple girl from a good family in Jerusalem, that wouldn't mind that her husband was an ignoramus. In the meantime, Baruch Mordechai sat and learned, but after a few years, he started to work as a water carrier. And he was so honest, he became very popular very quickly. Every Rosh Chodesh, he would bring the water to his regular customers for free, because he was worried that maybe during the previous month, a little bit of water had fallen out through the cracks in the buckets, and he had charged them for a full bucket. For more than 40 years, Baruch Mordechai worked as a water carrier in the old city of Jerusalem. And the whole time, he did it with true joy, simcha, dancing, singing and whistling as he would carry the water. He said to himself, who in all of Jewish history gets the great schut to carry water in the holy city of Jerusalem for the Jews and the Torah scholars living within these holy walls? And I get that schut? There was one rabbi, one great scholar, Rabbi Yehuda Leib Diskin, that refused to take any water from Baruch Mordechai. When people asked him, he said, I won't allow myself to take water from the likes of somebody like Baruch Mordechai. People didn't understand it, but they accepted it. On Purim Day in 5653, it was 1893. During the Suda, the festive of meal of the day of Purim, most of the Hasidim and the great rabbis of the old city were crowded together like they did every year in the home of Rabbi Schneer Zalman Fradkin of Lublin, who was the author of Torah's Chesed. And it was more joyous than normal, even for a Purim celebration. Everybody was singing and dancing. And there was lots of wine in Divrei Torah. And all of a sudden, Baruch Mordechai shouts out and he says, Rebbe, today is 70 years since my bris mila. And everybody smiled. You know, the simple water carrier, he had something to say. Very nice. It must have been the wine that he was drinking on Purim. But Reb Schneer Zalman took it very seriously. He said, if that's the case, Baruch Mordechai, then you deserve an extra large lachaim. And immediately, a huge goblet 
with a special strong wine was poured and passed to Baruch Mordechai, who drank it down quickly. And right away, people could see that the wine was affecting Baruch Mordechai. He started swinging his arms in the air and dancing up and down and jumping, singing. You've got to remember that Baruch Mordechai at that point was 70 years old. And 70 years old in 1893 wasn't like 70 years old today. He was an old man. Everybody seeing him dancing and singing like this was very impressive. But Reb Shner Zalman, he looks at Baruch Mordechai and he says, shouting over the crowd, Baruch Mordechai, it would be nice if you stopped fooling around and give us a few strong words of Torah. Don't we deserve it already? All of a sudden, the crowd quieted down and everybody turned their gaze to look at Baruch Mordechai as he climbed up on a table and started to speak. Everybody had a look on their face like, ah, poor ignoramus. He never retained any Torah that he learned anyhow. But when they heard the words of Torah coming out of Baruch Mordechai's mouth, they were shocked. He was quoting from sources all over the place. He had memorized the entire tractate Megillah, all the Midrashim, Halachot, and he was going on and on and on. And if the wine hadn't made him pass out, it seemed like he would have gone on forever. Even before Purim was over, the news of the hidden tzaddik, Baruch Mordechai, started spreading around. The community didn't know what to do. How had they let such a great scholar carry water for 40 years? And not only that, nobody had learned from Baruch Mordechai. He wasn't given the opportunity to teach. Everyone had made fun of him. Everyone, that is, except for Rabbi Yehuda Leib Diskin, who obviously knew better. And there were a few elders in the community who remembered the words of the Chassam Sofer from 70 years before. And now people were saying, now we understand what the Chassam Sofer was saying. When the Chassam Sofer said at the bris of Baruch Mordechai, Nichnas Yayin, Yotze Sod, when wine enters, the secrets come out. Yayin, spelled Yud Yud Nun, has a gematria, or a numerical value, of 70. And so does Samech Vav Daled which is the word for secret. So the blessing that the Chassam Sofer gave, the little baby, Baruch Mordechai Bris, was that he would be able to retain all of the Torah that he learned his whole life, but not be made proud by his Torah learning and be able to avoid honor, kavod, so that his Torah learning could be sincere and truly for the sake of heaven. It was the greatest bracha that he could have been given, even though he had suffered embarrassment and people had made fun of him most of his life, he merited to serve Hashem as a simple Jew, even though he was such a great Torah scholar. And of course, from that point on, in the community in Jerusalem, Baruch Mordechai was asked to teach a daily lesson, and he did, but only after he finished his rounds carrying the water.
Thank you so much for listening, my sweetest friends. I hope you have a beautiful, powerful, deep, and meaningful Purim. That you reach a place on Purim that's higher than Ne'ilah on Yom Kippurim. And I want to wish a Mazel Tov to the granddaughter of one of the supporters of this podcast, Malka Morovich, who's having her Bat Mitzvah on the 16th of Adar. Shabib B'Sha'a Tova and Mazel Tov. And may she and her family and their parents and grandparents and all of you grow up to Torah, Chupa, and Masim Tovim to be able to learn Torah with joy to get married and have families, and to do mitzvot and good deeds, always besimcha, always with joy, and be'ezat Hashem, also in good health. Thank you again for listening. I hope you have the sweetest Purim, my sweetest friends. And until then, good Purim!